The world is digital. Data is pervasive everywhere. A digital universe cloaked in a Ready Player One backdrop. 1984 meets 2020. Mobile phones, working from home, riots, protests, streaming services, 5G, AI, ML, cloud, internet of things, containers, blockchain, software as a service, the uberization of food, services, and relationships. A gumbo of information is ready to be served and certain ingredients change. How far do we go before it's too much? Zeros and ones prevail. How do we protect them, store them safely, and still have a voice that is heard and uncensored? This is Demetrius Malbro, and today's guest is Mike Nelson, who is an architect focused on Microsoft solutions at Pure Storage. And Mike's career in technology has spanned over 35 years. He has done work in many different capacities, from a single IT admin to being the virtualization architect for a Fortune 200 company. He is an avid presenter and speaker and has an immense passion for the technical community, both in giving back and paying it forward. Welcome to The Gumbo, Mike. How are you? Good, Demetrius. How are you? I am fantastic. Glad to finally have you on the show as an an ex-colleague and also a friend as well. So really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so have I. I've I've been really excited since you've kind of rebooted the the gumbo podcast and i've really been excited to hear some of them so absolutely we we are back um the hiatus is over so let's go ahead and dive into uh, i have some stats here mike um so i read that according to some idc numbers that were released earlier this month um it shows that global revenue for enterprise external oem storage systems fell about 8.2% year over year. Mm -hmm. And so that was dropping to about $6.5 billion. And, you know, even though the total storage capacity shipped increased about 3%. So you're talking 17.3 exabytes. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of data. It is. Um, In your opinion, how has the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, caused storage to increase across organizations? Well, it's interesting because, you know, the pandemic has caused a lot of different shifts in the industry, right? So not only from, you know, just a, the storage aspect of, of actually keeping your storage, but also purchasing new storage and all the plans that were supposed to happen in 2020 were or budgets and and uh, projects and things like that have kind of all either you know been shifted around, been eliminated, or they've got all kinds of new stuff coming out. So when you talk about how I think the pandemic has uh, worked around how storage is is either increased or decreased in the enterprise, it really depends on the business. Now I can tell you that if you look at it, when the whole work from home happened, when the pandemic started. And you've got 
literally millions of people that have never really worked from home. And all of these IT departments, all of these enterprises have to start shifting their workloads and changing their workloads to accommodate for this new this new uh, paradigm of, uh, of how workers work. And this has to do with how that storage is actually handled on premises or it's up in the cloud. So I think that a lot of storage companies, um, including Pure, um, you know, have really kind of excelled in this pandemic a little bit because storage has become something that all of this data has to go somewhere and all of it has to be kept somewhere. It always has in the past, but during the pandemic, it just seems like it's grown exponentially. And uh, hmm. I, I think that, you know, the amount of all these video conferencing, uh, yeah. uh, everything that has to be done dur- uh, over video now, like the the Zoom and the WebExes and the GoToMeeting yeah. and so on and so forth, all of that data has to be stored. All that, all those videos have to be stored, right. all those meetings, all those conferences, all, you know, um, that's all uh, encompassing storage, which really never had a, uh, a much of a place and was never really a big factor before. Yeah. Now, did did you hear about Zoom's like astronomical numbers? Like they oh, yeah. made so much money. It's it's like ridiculous. I don't even know what the number is. They increased like crazy. Yeah. They had they had I had heard numbers. They had they had uh, actually 60,000 uh, signups in one day. In one wow. 24-hour period, they had 60,000 signups. And that's right when the pandemic started mm-hmm. um, here in the U.S., I should say. I don't know, you know, we've had, uh, you know, how the spread happened, but um, they had other companies that were already, you know, starting to ramp up because it was over in, in the Europe, uh, in Asia, and things like that. But mm-hmm. when it got here to the U.S., and then things started to shut down in schools, especially when the educational system started to to do the whole, uh, you know, learning from home and things like that, things right. started to escalate and it escalated at a phenomenal rate. Um, we, we actually saw some companies actually, um, increase their storage capacity by like 300%. Wow. Um, some of these video companies just started, they, they could not handle the load. They couldn't handle the load, not only here in the U S but all of these other countries that were starting to use their platforms. Mm. And, and you know what? That's kind of crazy because what, what I've heard is that a lot of companies and people have started like doing these really cost cutting, cost efficiency measures like, you know, do we need to really back up this data? You know, are yeah. are these machines critical? Um, so I understand that people are amassing like tons of data now because, you know, we're working from home or whatever. But, you know, they're also accessing like through VPNs or even using, you know, virtual desktop infrastructure. So how, how do you how do you recover that data, you know, when it's lost, if it's like like in the VDI infrastructure or something like that? Well, when you look at the data that they're actually creating, you know, you're talking about folks that are just using a computer in a different place now. So, they're, they, you know, they used to use it at work and now they're actually using it at home. And a lot of folks, depending on the business, is the business supplying you that compute? Are they giving you a computer to use at home? Are they giving you a laptop? Are they giving you a desktop? In most cases, they're they're saying, you know, hey, either if you're doing VPN, sure, um, you can use your own or you can use ours. But a lot of them have gone to VDI. And VDI introduces a whole new aspect of how storage is handled because 
when how you host VDI, if your storage is either going to be on premises or it's going to be in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Now there are companies like Microsoft with their you know uh, virtual Windows virtual desktop WVD. Uh, they had a, an immense increase in the amount of of uh, hosted instances for the virtual desktops. And when that happens, you consider each one of those instances is taking up storage. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not only right. the data that they're doing, it's actual, the images, the actual desktops, when you talk about the VDI mm-hmm. portion of it, because all of those take up storage. Now, if you're doing static images, if you're doing dynamic images, all that other kind of, you know, stuff comes into play. Um, but when you talk about just, hey, I'm just going to VPN in, I'm using my own home computer. Now the IT department's, uh, you know, kind of shifting to what you said about data protection. Now the IT department's about, yeah. hey, I've got these home users that are using their own computers. How do I back up that data that they're actually creating? Because all of a sudden, uh, you know, their child got on their computer and it, you know, they clicked on some malware. It's encrypted all of their files. And there was company files <laughs> that never got brought down the VPN to their home drive or, or never got copied to, you know, uh, the shared folder, if you will. Man, I hope that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, well, it, it actually has happened It ha- because hmm, you know, really? companies have relied on their employees to use their home computers and haven't given them the compute to do that. Hmm. Okay. So it looks like we're speaking of, of VDI. So it seems like 2020 is like the the year of VDI because I am hearing this conversation <laughs> a lot. And just in some of the uh, episodes that I've already recorded, that has been a theme that has popped up like several times. So <laughs> question for you. So how does the IT protect, um, I guess, the company data in, in, in a virtual infrastructure environment? Well, yeah, great question. Um, the The year of BDI was actually, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it was it was around 2015 was when they were predicting, hey, that's the year of BDI. And then it got to 2018. That's going to be the year of BDI. Okay. When you think about it, the, the months of, you know, the end of March to where we are today at the end of June, that's really, you know, in 2020, that, that so far as for some folks that has worked out to a year long, you know, three months mm-hmm. and consider that actually like the year of VDI, because, um, you literally had millions and millions of people that had to, uh, you know, convert themselves, um, and learn how to use VDI and learn how to adapt to it. Um, and that's not only the user aspect, but also like I was talking about before, uh, the folks that actually put this all together, to put all the, the you know, the moving parts together for VDI, all the back end uh, storage, the back end compute, um, the network bandwidth, all that, all the things that are required to do that. Now, again, on premises or in the cloud, depends on which way you're looking at it. Depends on what operating model and what business model um, your enterprise is, is engaged in, because, you know. One's a little bit more expensive than the other, maybe, maybe not. Licensing yeah. plays a big thing into it, you know. Um, but when you're talking about protecting that data, you're getting down to the core of how do I back up something that's a virtual desktop? How do I mm. how do I how do I make that desktop so whenever a user uh, you know writes data, creates a document, creates a video, does whatever, automatically gets stored into storage that can be backed up. And it's not right. just sitting out there in some, you know, temporary folder or something like that. 
So I guess you're going into my next question. I was curious, how does VDI affect, I guess, the storage of that data? Yeah. So, I mean, when you're talking about VDI, everything that's being done is being done on a virtual platform. Depending on how it's configured, how it's set up, it could be something that's permanent, could be something that's dynamic. So whenever a user, you know, basically shuts off the VDI instance, they spin it up again and they get a whole new instance, right? So none of their data Mm -hmm. is preserved which means that everything that they do during that session has to go to some central location, has to go to some storage. Um, And that storage can then be backed up either, you know, uh, you know, using cloud uh, type of backup or doing uh, some kind of, you know, vendor on-premises backup. Um, And that all plays into how they've structured, uh, again, that BDI instance for the user. Um, I think that... Mm. I think that some, 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 I, I've actually heard of some institutions, especially the, the, the educational K through uh, 12 mm-hmm. is they've actually, you know, have really no plan around this, right? Um, mm-hmm. Some of the ones that I've talked to, and it's really gotten to be a difficult where they've actually asked teachers to like use USB drives as your backups. What? Yeah. So they've actually wow. like, you know, my, the, the school system that I work with, from a technology standpoint, one of the, you know, that my, my, my kids go to, mm-hmm. uh, they, they actually had real no plan for it. And, uh, they, they shipped out USB drives to the teachers, uh, wow. so they could back up their, their laptops that they have. Yeah. That is crazy, man. I guess, I guess it's better than nothing because you and I, we, we think more on an enterprise level since, yeah. you know, we've worked for, you know, backup companies and storage companies, et cetera. So, you know, we always think about that. But one thing I can say is that if you ask me, am I protecting my home desktop right now? Yeah. I'll tell you, no, I am not. <laughs> so I've been doing backup for 20 years and it's like, oh, I can't even protect my own, my yeah. own system. So you're not even eating your own dog food. You're not. Yeah. I know. Right. They just might as well stop listening to the podcast right now. I don't even <laughs> practice what I preach. well and that's kind of when you think about it it's kind of uh you know from a disaster recovery standpoint i mean you think of your own home right um yeah if you have a disaster if you have you know something happens you get ransomware or you know your hard drive fails or whatever um it's kind of the same situation for these folks that are working from home how do they recover did they even know how to recover because if you're anything like you know uh my parents my parents are you know uh, much older and mm-hmm. when they have a problem, of course, they call the IT guy in the family, right? When they got a problem. Yep, but, that's you. Um, their, their solution to when the hard drive went out, uh, died, and they couldn't access it, and they couldn't reach me, um, their solution was to, you know, go to go to uh, Best Buy and buy a new computer. Geek Squad. <laughs> oh, they, they actually bought, like, a new computer instead? Oh. oh, they thought it was a perfect excuse just to go buy a new computer. So they got a dead hard drive. They lost all of their data. And now they come to me and they say, oh, we bought this new computer. How do we get all of this data that was on our old one that the hard drive died on onto yeah. our new one? That's And, and this is your problem now. <laughs> all right. All right. Back on topic here. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about covid 19. And, you know, one thing that I I do want to know is since we started talking about backup vendors, in your opinion, how has COVID affected the backup and recovery vendors, in your opinion? What have you seen? Well, I've seen a big shift. Obviously, we've had this shift going to cloud, right? In the last, 
you know, five, six years, some even longer than that. But I think they put more of an emphasis on that. And that the reason is, is because um, there are, you know, basically a lot of a lot of companies that don't want to invest in the the equipment anymore. They don't want to put the CapEx into uh, mm-hmm. their own data centers. And then even during the pandemic, it got a little bit more intense because you couldn't even have people inside of your data centers. You couldn't have right. folks that actually went in, uh, you know, with the hands and actually did the work inside mm-hmm. of those data centers without, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of, a lot of checking checks and balances and all that other kind of stuff more than usual. And, uh, some of the easiest solution was, Hey, let's just, let's just back it up to a cloud. Now that doesn't yeah. mean necessarily a public cloud. It, it could be a private cloud. It could be a hybrid cloud. Um, you know, some MSP or CSP that, that provides that type of, that type of service, you know, all, most of them do. Mm-hmm. So I've really seen a lot of shift in terms of, uh, especially with, with bigger workloads with the, 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 not necessarily, we don't get up into big data, but you kind of hit that middle ground where you have maybe some, uh, you know, uh, medium sized SQL, MySQL, MongoDB type of things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of transactional, they've kind of, they, they've said, Hey, we've always kind of done this on premises. Um, maybe we want to shift this a little bit to the cloud, um, if we can, but we're dealing with latency, we're dealing with all kinds of other issues there. So they may even, you know, like I said, even go into a private type cloud where they're going to a co-location or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. And that's at least what I've kind of seen. I know that there's, you know, my, my, my vision into this, you know, entire pandemic and the industry is kind of, um, not as wide and as, as, uh, as deep as some folks, but, um, I've actually had uh, a couple of folks tell me that, um, they, the investment that they made before the, you know, the beginning of the year or in 2019, um, mm-hmm. had to rethink all that and they've actually had to, you know, go back and change all of their budgets and everything else. And yeah, supply chain, you know, the, the whole supply chain thing has really affected the vendors that do the physical deployments and, and have that hardware need that, that those pieces and parts, um, yeah. that aren't necessarily a warehouse and things like that. And I, I mean, yeah. uh, some, some companies have not had any problems. Uh, thank God my, you know, the company I work for hasn't, but, uh, yeah. you know, other companies have. Yeah. And you, you've, you've worked for, um, a, a couple backup companies and, and now you're yeah. at pure storage. So, um, I guess what, what can you tell me about, both running file and block storage natively on the same system as, as well as I guess, active disaster recovery or active DR. Oh, so we're, we're switching, we're switching the subjects a little yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 We're, we're switching. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's always been a thing about, you know, running file and block on the same storage system. Um, some vendors have been able to do it. Uh, you know, some have been able to, uh, kind of, you know, stitch together, if you will. Is, it, uh, is that like a backup it. sin, running file and block together? I don't want to say duct tape it together, but they stitch it together because there is some good technology there that's it's being used. Um, but at the same time, you now have, uh, you know, as example with with our with our latest release, um, you know, we can do file and and block on the same on the same devices, which is really really cool. And then now to have actually an, a DR platform that you can use, actually do a, a replication to near zero RTO. Now, I used to work for, you know, a couple different companies that did things like that. I used to work for Zerto and, you know, mm. and Rubrik. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the near zero RTO, RPO is kind of like the, the buzzwords when you're talking about DR. So, uh, you know, we can do that. Um, the, the ability to have that replication, right. async or synchronous replication, either way, depending on how it's, you know, architected, but having the ability to, you know, have those, those met that metadata, um, traverse a wire, uh, and by wire, I mean a complete network, a wide area network or, a, you know, a LAN, um, and being able to replicate that, that data, that data. So you can get it that, mm -hmm. that disaster recovery up. You know, with a with a very quick return time, an RTO and an RPO that just, you know, businesses are really looking for that recovery. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate the answer on that one. And you know, once again, in in pure gumbo fashion, I, I love to jump around. You know, whatever comes to to the top <laughs> of my head, it's it's like gumbo. You just you you throw it in the pot, let it let it cook, let it simmer, and it turns out fantastic. So. <laughs> um, let's, let's jump into APIs. Um, what, what about okay. APIs? You know, how, how do you see, you know, APIs in the future of data protection and automation? Well, they've always actually kind of been there, right? So, right. It, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, the, the buzzwords have been DevOps, you know, mm -hmm. DevOps took a big turn and, yep. and, uh, but the, the actual automation portion of it, it's been around for years. It really has, um, you know, and having APIs, you have, uh, I remember a couple of years ago when folks would say, oh, we're an API first company. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes it would ring really true and sometimes it wouldn't, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, but, uh, this is kind of a passion for me now because, um, the position that I'm in, I'm actually in the, you know, working with the, the Microsoft technologies and the, the research on SDKs and APIs and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of really hits home with me is that, uh, you know, automation to me is key. And a lot of, a lot of folks uh, a few years ago would say, oh, no, we can't do automation because it's going to take away my job and all that kind of stuff. The robots are going to get us. Yeah. We really evolved around that. You know, it, it's not, it's not taking away um, people's jobs. It's just, you know, allowing them to do other things, allowing them to do more important things. And, uh, um, I think it, you know, if you don't automate, um, you're really losing out. You're, you're, you're actually, if you don't automate, um, what you're doing, especially on the backup and recovery, because those are tasks that should not be manual. They should not, you should, have, it should be automatic. You know, it should be something that you really don't even have to think about, even in your testing of the recovery, right. um, when you run periodic tests, which I know we all do, right, Demetrius, mm. we all run yes. periodic recovery tests, right? Yep, yep, we do, we do. Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right, just, just, just checking, okay, because I want to make sure, um, you know, that home computer of yours, I hope you, you know, the one you don't have protected. I'm going to have to edit this out. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, that should all be automated. It should be out of the mind. It should, it should be, you know, it, it should be a secondary thought yeah. um, in terms of, of when you come in and you in, into work and you're, you're doing, you're working on these bigger projects and you're trying to figure out solutions um, to enhance the business and, and help the business. Um, backup and recovery, yes, it's still vital. But at the same time, automation should really take a lot of that pain away. Um, and I, I just, uh, I'm a big, uh, firm believer in, in, uh, moving towards, you know, 
uh, API everything, automate everything, and and learning as much as you can about that from it. Yeah. When you're an administrator, so and I know you have a passion for that as well. Yeah. Um, when we were working together, you know, the APIs were a big thing. Yeah, I'm not that not that good at APIs, but yeah. I I realized how important it was. I.e. the the uh, job switch that I that I made several months ago, which was a great decision for me. Hey, let's talk about your new job. What are you doing? Basically, I am at Puppet right now, and I am well, I'm a principal technical marketing manager. So it's it's writing a lot of content about um, the technology that we have, the Puppet Enterprise platform. Some of the other things that we have around open source software, like open source for Puppet, and we have Bolt. Um, we just launched another product called Relay, which is around event-driven automation. So that's a really cool space right now. Also sales enablement. So making sure the sales guys are enabled uh, with the information that they need to be successful out in the field. So that's awesome. really enjoying it. Now, you, you can't flip the tables and interview me, Mike. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that don't know out here in the the, the podcast world, I mean, <clears throat> Demetrius used to be my used to be my supervisor, used to oh, be my direct report. So, I forgot about that. You know, we, we we go back a little bit, and uh, you know, I used to do this to him a lot, turn the tables on him because uh, you know he was my boss, and I can do. I that. guess I was a fantastic boss, right? You 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 decided to come on the show here, so. You were a great boss. Uh, you were. It's recorded, so <laughs> it's in the space. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a clip. I'm gonna take that, clip it, play it over <laughs> and over bad. and over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and wrap up in in true gumbo fashion. The final question I like to ask each guest on the show is: If you had a crystal ball, what does the future of data protection look like for you? Um, well, first, if I had a crystal ball, you know, I wouldn't be so worried about the future of data protection, you know, and management with that crystal ball. I'd be asking for a lot of different things, but data protection wouldn't mm. be on the, on the top of the list, just so you know that. Um, mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I can yeah, respect that. Know, a lot of other things, you know, but anyways, when you're talking about uh, what that could actually, you know, come out of not only this pandemic and we don't know how long, how long this thing's going to last. Right. That's, I think that some people right. are trying to look, they, they've limited their, their vision. And to me, that's okay because it's, it's a time of uncertainty right now. I mean, I, it used to be where right. we would go and we would say, when you create a solution or you start looking at how a solution is going to um, evolve, you're looking at three to five mm -hmm. years out. And, you know, from a crystal ball perspective, that's awesome. Looking at it from, you know, three to five years, maybe even going longer than that. If you're, you know, you, you want to try and envision something 10 years from now, but I don't know how you could because technology moves so, so fast. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Um, but now people are just trying to get past the pandemic. They're just trying to look right. at how my data management, how my, my data recovery um, will actually look when things return to semi-normal or even normal. <laughs> With the, the new, new normal. normal. Exactly. You know, they're starting yeah. to look at that now. Look at some of these companies that have actually taken the steps and said, hey, you know what? From now on, we're going to let people work from home. Look at Twitter, what they did. You know, hey, everybody can yeah. work from home now. You don't have to come back to an office space. Um, you know, uh, some other companies out there that I, I know have done the same thing. They're saying, hey, you know, we might just start making this thing work where 
um, even work from home. So you, when I'm an architecture from an IT standpoint, they have to look at that and say, okay, what does our next six months look like? What does our next year look like? Let alone what our next right. three to five years looks like. Um, and that's not only from a data protection standpoint, but also, you know, just a, an equipment standpoint, a logistics standpoint, you know, a supply chain standpoint, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of balls being juggled in the air right now. And a lot of yeah, crystal balls yeah, being so juggled. I don't know if you can give a, a blanket statement around that. And it would be tough for mm-hmm. me to, to say, you know, exactly what. Okay. Well, I truly enjoyed our conversation and it was like uh, just on the phone catching up with an old friend so um thank you so much for coming on data protection gumbo and it's it's definitely been a pleasure mike so i just want to say thank you very much demetrius for having me on i really appreciate it and uh you know i wish we could do this more often i'm hoping that uh, maybe you'll have me back on again sometime and i'll be looking forward to this podcast but i'll be i'll be looking forward to listening to all of them and uh the best of luck all right thanks mike Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts, so please keep them coming. And every review that you leave helps. So please also join our LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals, and also check out our website at dataprotectiongumbo.com. So have a great week and see you next time.